Welcome to the 10th episode of the Think Wildlife podcast. Today we have Monisha Krishna who is the co-founder of Sacred Groves. Welcome Monisha. My first question for you is uh why did you start Sacred Groves and what is the concept behind it? Okay, so I'm Monisha Krishna and the co-founder of Sacred Groves. Uh for the longest time my family and I have been concerned about what's happening with the climate what's happening with you know the degradation of forests of natural habitats all over the world we are very avid travelers so while we have been uh, struck by the immense beauty of nature we've also been horrified at how rapidly things are going downhill so many years ago my husband and i we thought we would like to support a forest or we would like to support uh a degraded land in our home country and let it go wild rewild it to make it a forest as we were do as we were trying to do this we found that it was a very difficult process there is a whole lot of regulations around protecting land or buying land and you know so on and so forth so then we thought that there sh- that th- we must have a mechanism which makes it easy for um, environmentally sensitive people to participate in conservation it should be seamless and it should we should use technology to make this process easy so that is where the idea started by facing problems ourselves in trying to protect a natural space okay so uh, could, could you just talk about what the sacred groves clusters are and uh, how it works okay so this is how the model works we really try to make a digital twin of a natural space and provide a platform using technology to make it easy to participate in conservation so the first step is to secure a natural area now we do this either by way of a direct acquisition by the company this is something we have done with the three forests we support today or by way of engaging with large landholders primarily governments partnering with them uh and you know to see how we can secure a natural space and conserve it so that is the first step secure a natural space the second step is to make a digital twin of the area using geospatial imaging so with geospatial imaging we are using google earth at the moment we we plot the area and using technology break it up virtually into digital units which are called secret proof clusters each of these clusters are placed on the blockchain for security transparency and traceability as a guardian you can support these clusters at a price point of 50 dollars for a time period of 10 years so it is a one time fee for a 10 year period and with that you can you get access to our digital platforms our web and mobile applications uh by which you can see the progress of your clusters you can see what is happening in the forest you can also see by virtue of your support how much carbon is sequestered how much area is protected how much pollution is removed over the 10 year period and there's a whole lot of information available about your support now what we have found is a lot of times when people support a good cause they're not able to really see where the money went so with the sacred groves platform you can see on the google earth image exactly where your forest is exactly where the cluster is the latitude longitude of that uh, location as well as of course it's on the blockchain so it's traceable 
We've tried to build in many engaging features. What the main one is gifting. So you could gift a sacred growth cluster to a loved one or a colleague or a friend uh, on a special occasion or just to say thank you or as appreciation. So there are 46 gifting occasions. And what takes us six to eight months, you know, to onboard a forest for conservation, a guardian can do in a matter of maybe a few seconds or at most a minute. There are other features like squads where guardians, where, you know, uh, like-minded people can get together, form groups. And we hope this will become a platform for a social platform for the environmentally conscious. So there are a whole lot of engaging features like we that we've tried to build into the platform to democratize conservation and make it mainstream. Okay. And how exactly are these clusters protected on the ground? So, uh, like at the moment, the three forests that we have, uh, the Sacred Groves CIC owns these forests. So, uh, you know, the title is with us. Uh, there are periodic surveys which are conducted where, you know, our surveyors go out and see that everything is in order. We also obviously have, um, you know, we use Google Earth to monitor the forest on a regular basis. That's great. And uh, yeah, so uh, why don't you talk about the three forests to protect as part of sacred groves? So we are protecting two forests in Wales. One is called Coedrial, the other is called Gigrin Prisig. Both these forests were our ancient oak woodlands that were up for sale for timber. And uh, I, I mean, if you go onto Google Earth and you see the location of the forest, the whole area in that, the whole uh, land in that area is completely deforested and used for pasture land. So this land, when it came up for sale for timber as sacred groves, we decided that we must protect the biodiversity of this space. So that is how we onboarded it. We took it out of the commercial timber market. In the case of our third forest, which is in Nova Scotia, Canada, it is a beautiful forest with a freshwater lake on one side and the Atlantic Ocean at the other end. And it has five subhabitats. This habitat was up for sale for timber and for recreational hunting. So by taking it out of these commercial uses, we have, uh, we, you know, we protect it. Uh, we protect the biodiversity of the space. Okay, that's great. And uh, how do these sacred growth clusters uh, involve the local communities and how, like, what are the local benefits? Because obviously, a lot of these areas were going to be used for timber logging or other activities. Right. Uh, so these were number one commercially available uh, forests. So anyone who onboarded them could really do whatever they wanted with it. As sacred groves, we've elected to conserve these spaces. Uh, just taking a tiny step back, Sacred Groves is incorporated as a community interest company in the United Kingdom, which means that we are at a beautiful confluence of a for-profit and a not-for-profit. So we are a social enterprise. We are for benefit and we exist to serve community. There are two ways in which we serve community. One is the world at large by pre preserving and conserving natural spaces and therefore trying to make a small difference in the climate change problem. The second is by serving communities that live in and around these areas. 
Now, the three forests we protect right now do not have any communities which are in and around the area. However, we are speaking to various governments all over the world where each each of these locations, we will need to have a separate forest management plan, which will take into account all the concerns of the communities which live in and around. And until all these communities are part of the solution and not the problem, we cannot hope to make a difference at scale. So each area we will have to get into, you know, individual um, plans over there, depending on what is required. Uh, on similar lines, what do you think is the role of community conservation uh, going forward as a movement has really picked up, at least in India? So all over the world, sacred forests, I mean, there are sacred forests all over the world. And it has actually been documented by the COP26 that most of the primary primary forests around the world are in their pristine condition because communities have worked together to preserve them and to take care of them. So it's something which is actually ancient. And in a way, we're going back to our roots by involving communities and by conserving these spaces. So, and in fact, um, the inspiration for the sacred groves really came from a visit that my family had made to a sacred forest in the northeastern part of India in Meghalaya. When we visited the forest, we saw how the local community there cares for the forest, respects and reveres the forest. So that is the connection we are trying to make with our platform where we are able to connect, you know, urban folk with nature and getting back to the reverence and respect that we all need to have for nature. Okay. And how can the general public be, be, be more involved in the rewilding and restoration movement? So now there are many ways that public can get involved. I'm now talking very, very generally. So there are three principles that, you know, we talk about and we believe in. The first is be aware. Be aware of what is happening around you, what is happening in your community, in your uh, in the area you live, in the place you work, in the you know, and so on and so forth. Only when you're aware, you will be able to take any actions. The second is be mindful. Be mindful of your everyday choices. Be mindful of uh, really what it is you do and how you engage on 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 various levels. It could be things like deciding not to use a plastic bag. It could be something like you carry your own water bottle to your place of work. So these small changes can go a long way. The third thing is be hopeful. A lot of times when we speak to people, you know, they get uh, they get either overwhelmed or there is this whole level of apathy saying that climate change is such a huge problem. What can I do as one person? So the, all the three things are very important. At Sacred Groves, we have created a platform by which you can participate even if you can't you know, physically be in a certain place. You can virtually participate and you can make a difference. So we really believe in leveraging the power of one. If everybody says, I will make some actions, it will make a big difference. Uh, that's a very optimistic uh, outlook. So what is the long-term vision of uh, Sacred Goals? So... Right now, the forest that we support, we do realize it's just a drop in the ocean. We have just begun. Unless we are able to support 
many millions of hectares of natural habitats, it will not make a difference really to this whole climate change problem. There are two, three things that I want to say in this context. Number one, the world loses a soccer field equivalent of primary forest every six seconds. That's 1.76 acres of forest every six seconds, which is really a horrific, a, a horrific st statistic. Second is we are at the risk of losing a million species to extinction. Point is, as per the UN Red, if we were to halt forest degradation and, de and deforestation, it could provide up to 30% of the climate problem. So we are really trying to attack this whole problem of deforestation, degradation, and so on and so forth. And we are racing against time. Our biggest competitor is time because the climate indicators are deteriorating very, very rapidly. In terms of a timeline, by 2025, we hope to support at least 100,000 acres of natural habitats. Uh, why is preserving natural ecosystems more important than all the restoration works like tree plantations and the various ocean restoration works that are going on? So it's not an either or. You know, so it's not this or that. It has to be and. So that's the first thing. Now, when we talk about conservation of existing natural habitats, all these habitats have developed and are in place today with millennia of evolution. For centuries and millennia, uh, you know, these habitats have existed and they have flourished and they have a place in the larger scheme of things. When we, when a habitat gets destroyed, it upsets the natural balance very, very badly. And besides that, the biodiversity which is lost is lost forever. It is it is almost impossible to bring back an extinct species. So that is why existing habitats have got to be protected. Plus, you know, the loss that we suffer, even in terms of carbon, it is it is extremely difficult to bring it back. Now, when we talk about tree planting or habitat restoration, now that is restoration of habitats that have got degraded. So we're trying to bring them back to the normal level right so i mean it has to go together we have to conserve what we already have and we have to restore whatever has got destroyed or de degraded so therefore i wouldn't say it as this versus that it's together yeah and one thing about habitat restoration is that most people associate it with three plantations like like uh only way we can restore in ecosystem is by planting trees so just talk about why three plantation is not the only solution and the issues which uh, arise from only relying on tree plantations. So there are many things with tree plantations. The first thing is any tree plantation has to be done extremely carefully and very scientifically. You have to use native species. The soil and the ecosystem has to support it. So that's the first thing about tree plantations. The second thing is all habitats are not habitats which have trees. For example, a wetland does not have trees at all or a grassland does not have trees at all. So if you were to put grasslands, uh, if you were to put trees in a grassland or if you were to put uh, trees into a wetland and it sucks out all the uh, all the moisture from the soil, you're actually doing a disservice and you're upsetting a balance which is already there. 
So ecosystems could are very varied. There could be a marshland, it could be a peat bog. Trees and uh, trees are not the only thing when we talk about uh, ecosystems. They are one ecosystem out of many. The second thing is with tree plantations, trees have a mortality rate of almost 80% if they're not cared for. So it is very important to follow up on it. Yes, one does, you know, see some gimmicky actions where you say, okay, I'm going to plant X number of trees. But after maybe a year or two years, are how many trees are still left standing? Another thing connected with this is after 10 years, those trees should not be cut down for timber. I mean, those that ecosystem, whatever has been created, should be there for posterity and not for just a short time. So there's a whole lot of stuff which goes behind even tree planting or restoration of any habitat. So habitat restoration is not only tree planting. It could be many, many things. Uh, that is very well explained. And that is my final question. So thank you for this. A wonderful opportunity to include you on this podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.